0: Hi, welcome to episode 627 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I'm trying to decide what to dress up for as Halloween. I'm torn. Either I'm going to dress up as a ghost, or as Fu Manchu. It's so hard to decide. I don't know. I think people would really like my Fu Manchu outfit. I'll be sure to post pictures on Twitter. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 645. Today is Fantastic Four, Volume 5, Number 10, released on September 10th, 2014, East of Eden, Part 2, by writer James Robinson and artist Mark Lamming. Ah, the sweet sounds of the Howard the Duck soundtrack. In every episode of the Fantastic. Oh, shit, I already did that. And so, in jail, (laughs) Ben Grimm meets the Yard Boss, the other criminal that all the other criminals look up to. They're in prison. And it is, inexplicably, Sharon Ventura, the She-Thing, which makes zero sense. Other than, it's fun to see the She-Thing back in this book. You know what? If you're gonna do a bad run on the Fantastic Four, you might as well go all out and include the she-thing for maximum badness. She starts by trying to punch his lights out. He goes smashing into a wall. He looks up and he sees her coming at him. He says, he's not as strong as normal while on Riker's Island. Well, pucker up, buttercup, cause I'm about to take a lot more out of ya. He says, she only gets one shot and she replies, are you deaf, Grim?" Don't you get it yet? And she grabs him by the arm and pulls it out, pulls, pulls his arm out of its socket. Since she's not a criminal, Ben asks why she's there in jail. You were one of the good guys, he says. She responds by asking, when was the last time he even bothered to check up on her to see if she was dead or alive? He kind of blames it on the life of being a superhero, being busy and all. She says it sure didn't stop him from checking in on that blind skank, Alicia Masters. Yes, she calls her a skank. She realizes that guys don't check up on her as much as they used to back before she became a rock monster. He apologizes and says he should've been better than that. And he asks, again, why she's locked up. She had gone back to her superhuman wrestling league, which had gotten involved in using their tour as a way to smuggle illegal substances. Which is ironic because most wrestlers are on illegal substances, not smugglers of illegal substances. She got caught in New Mexico by the native the Native American superhero Red Wolf. Red Wolf. Why is such a random reference to Red Wolf? It's like Robinson opened up a random page in the official handbook of Marvel Universe and just picked whatever, stuck his finger now na- <laughs> stuck his finger down, red wolf. Ben has another good question. How did she end up as the, top, as the top dog of all these other criminals? Odd that all these dastardly evil villains picked a female as their leader, making them a little more progressive than the average American, who would rather have a dastardly evil villain as their leader instead of a female. Everyone in the prison is having their powers neutralized uh, by the prison security system, except for Sharon. The powers that be, for unknown reasons, have let her keep her strength. She takes a moment to snap Ben's arm back in place, ouch, and she says that that is why she's top dog, and she punches Ben again. He wants to know who's giving her orders, but she doesn't know. She leaves, but says that Ben will be seeing more of her later. Oh, I hope so. She's the best thing to happen to this book in Volume 5 so far. By the way, this is why I love Marvel Comics so much more than DC Comics. These books have a history. A writer in 2014 can reach all the way back in time and bring back a character who dated one of our heroes back in the late 1980s. So back in New Eden, Reed is working on his in his new lab. Someone comes in and tells Reed that a supervillain is attacking in Chicago. Now that is a smart supervillain. If I were a supervillain, I would stay far, far, far away from New York City. Reed says that Chicago lacks superhumans. Well, if you don't count the Savage Dragon and Oprah. Actually, New Eden is in Lake Michigan, so Reed and Sue are the closest ones who can help. He's going to call Sue, but when he tries, someone tells him that Sue has left New Eden. Gone. But where would she go? Reed asked himself. Next, at an undisclosed location in New Jersey, and isn't that pretty much the way to describe any location in New Jersey, undisclosed? At a S.H.I.E.L.D. compound, two agents are talking, one hates his job, saying he feels like an agent of suck. Agents of Suck now playing weekly on ABC. We see that they're guarding the Fantastic Four ships and other technology. And really, only two guards for all that important stuff? They both immediately get get knocked out by invisible force fields. Sue appears, she takes some kind of Fantastic Four jet, and she leaves. Back in New York, at a nightclub in the meatpacking district, Johnny is having fun. He's got a beautiful woman on his arm. And out of nowhere, Wyatt Wingfoot shows up and tells Johnny they need to talk. He seems to think that Johnny has a problem. Johnny introduces the girl, Felicia, which is a problem because her name is Fiona. Wyatt is concerned about Johnny being a party boy. But why? Johnny just seems to be having fun, dancing and going out with women. It's not like he's doing drugs or anything, right? I mean, at least that's not stated. Wyatt says it's pathetic, everyone else in the Fantastic Four is in trouble, but Johnny, he just doesn't seem to care. Do they send you here to say that? Johnny asks. Well, yes, Wyatt replies. Johnny tells Wyatt that he really doesn't know his family all that well and basically tells them to stay out of their business and get lost. And in downtown Chicago, Reed has arrived to find that the Wizard has assembled another version of the Frightful Four This time With three women From the group Salem's Seven Salem Seven Holy crap Talking about reaching back in time That's like Reaching all the way back to 1980 To grab members of Salem Seven There's one reptile lady With snakes for arms Which is very cool And her name is Reptilia There's a A girl named Gazelle Who is fast and vertigo, who can cause, uh, you know, what do you call it when people get like really dizzy and off balance, you know? I don't know what to call that. So together, they're kind of kicking Reed's ass. Wizard says their goal was to attract Reed Richards and humiliate him. Now how did they know that Reed would come to Chicago? Was Reed working on Eden in Lake Michigan some kind of news story? And by the way, Eden may be nice in the summer, but for most of the year, being in a floating city on Lake Michigan would kind of suck. Very un-Eden-like. Reed is just about to pass out. When help arrives, he had called Doctor Strange because he needed magical help. But instead, the Scarlet Witch arrives. And for some reason, that's presented as some big cliffhanger ending. To have Scarlet Witch show up I mean wasn't she evil for a while and I recall that she used her powers to take away like the powers of a bunch of mutants in like but I don't know 2014 I have no idea what her deal was I guess we'll find out next issue and with that I've got eight more issues to go eight issues and an annual Hi, welcome to Fantastic Forecast, episode 627, part 2. Today is Fantastic Four, annual number one! The very first Fantastic Four annual. Actually, no, it's the very last Fantastic Four annual, yet, yet, it's number one. Go figure. It's actually annual number 33. It was released on October 1st, 2014. The story is called Fairy Tale by James Robinson, with artist Tom Grummett, And the inker, by the way, which I don't normally mention the inker, but this inker is Tom Palmer. I mention that because he's one of my all-time favorite inkers. And the art in this annual looks pretty good, for the most part. More on that later. Ah, oh, this is the best song ever. And so far, the only good thing I have to say about Volume Five—well, the second good thing I have to say about Volume Five, other than the return of She Thing—is been no Valeria. Well, that's about to change because the story starts in Latveria at Castle Doom with Doctor Doom and Valeria looking off a balcony down at a jousting tournament below. Oh, cool! Latveria has its own Renaissance Festival, but then it can. Considering how backwards and unmodern these people are in Latveria, they just call it a festival. Instead of riding horses, the jousters are flying on flying jet cycle things, making this the first PETA-approved joust festival. But then again, I don't know why anyone cares about what Josh Hutcherson's opinion of things are. So, these two Latvian knights collide with each other. Latvian knights, by the way, sounds like a great name for a spin-off TV show where Dr. Doom works at night as a private detective. So the nights collide, Valeria says they look like they must be hurt, but of course Dr. Doom doesn't care. He says that's the way it was in the old days. And we learn that this is Latveria's birthday, which no one really knows what Latveria's birthday is, for real. So Doom just made up a date. He selected a date on his own, picking out his mother's birthday as Latveria day, Such a mama's boy, this guy. Val says the people seem happy, and Doom replies, like, yeah. He says he rules them with love and keeps them safe. Fear is for tyrants and cowards. I am neither. It's quite a Trumpian lack of awareness for a man calling himself Dr. Doom. Valerius says the world may disagree. But after they finish helping out all the world, people will never look at him the same way again. They've been doing things like terraforming countries with famine to help them produce food, cleaning up pollution, helping cure pro- poverty <laughs> under the guise of shell companies and charities to keep Doom's name out of the spotlight. And we pick up with Sue Richards after she stole that jet plane, and she's speeding off to Latvia to get her daughter. Oddly enough. I think Valeria is better off with Doctor Doom. She's safer and doing more good. The military in Latveria, they see the plane coming, and they launch some planes of their own to attack it. They shoot it down immediately, and the plane crashes, but there's this safe compartment that opens up and Sue comes out, greeted by a bunch of armed guards. She demands to be taken to her daughter. Inside. She's greeted by Doctor Doom, who mentions that her grand, showy entrance was quite a spectacle for someone calling themselves the Invisible Woman. Sue says she's not trying to hide anymore, especially from Doctor Doom. Valeria comes in and says she wants to stay. She's doing some good work. Sue says that she's proud of her, but she wants her to come home. I say... Tom Grummet draws the worst Valeria I have ever seen. She looks more like a little person, you know, with a big head and a small body. It's very creepy to look at. And she's only she only comes up to Sue's knees, like, what is she, a foot tall? It's so weird. Sue cries and talks about all their problems, including Franklin and the kids being taken away. Dr. Doom makes a very good point, he says, If she takes Valeria back to the United States, won't they take her away too? And in the middle of this conversation, Valeria's eyes go blank. We learn that Sue was talking to a robot Valeria. A Valeria-bot, I guess. And the real Valeria is standing across the room with a remote control. So now, Sue is like, You're coming home! And Valeria's like, No, I'm staying here. And Doom is like, Yeah, I'm keeping her here. And Sue's like, you win what army! And we see members of the Latverian army. And then she attacks them with her force fields. She even breaks some windows. Doom says, That is not how I expect my guests to act. Sue puts Valeria in a force field herself, and sends her out of the castle. Doom ain't holding back no more. He tries to blast Sue with his hand lasers. Sue puts up a force field and trashes the castle some more, and outside, Sue is taking on the entire Latvian army and Latvian air force, and she is just tearing the shit out of the town with her force field powers. She's uncharacteristically violent, and she don't give a shit. No shits are given. And after she uses her powers to shred up Dr. Doom's armor, he asks, Who is sharing your mind? Malice? Once again, bringing back someone from the 1980s. Malice. Valeria runs over to protect Dr. Doom from her mother, and she says to her mom, Something's wrong with you! And points out all the damage that Sue has done to the castle and to the town. Sue asks one more time for Valeria to come home with her. But Valeria tells her that, you know, she's scared of her. Ouch. And on the last page, we see Sue flying off, alone, to be continued in Fantastic Four 11. And that's it! The last Fantastic Four annual ever? Maybe. Maybe not. There are elements of this fall of the Fantastic Four story that I do like, and some that I don't like. I do think it's an interesting idea that the kids have been taken away, which makes perfect sense to me, and I like Sue's breakdown here. I hope she's not infected by malice, though. Unless, unless Psycho Man is back. As I've said before, I've read these issues before, but I don't recall at all who was behind all of this stuff. If there is anybody behind it. If it's Psycho Man, that would make sense. So that's all for now. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmo.com. You can download other episodes at iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over.